Speaking of is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for supporting Milwaukee PBS. This next story is good for your gut, literally. I met a local entrepreneur that decided during the pandemic to start her own business. That business is kombucha. This is Speaking of, a podcast by Milwaukee PBS. Welcome, Scotty and Mariano. Hey, Lexi. What's up, Lexi? So today we're going to be talking about kombucha, and I just am curious, what do you all know about kombucha? (laughs) Scobies are gross. All right, I beg to differ. We've talked about this a little bit before, but I am a huge kombucha fan. I have been for years. I have brewed my own kombucha, a little bit of a hippie. Yeah, and I love tinkering with recipes. I love the science aspect of it. I love the taste, the flavor. I think it's a healthy alternative to like drinking soda. When I go to the store, I buy kombucha. Well, you're a fan. Yeah, right. no, I'm a, I, yeah, I'm a huge cheerleader but, for I mean, kombucha. Can, can you agree that like the scoby, the mother or whatever they call it, that it looks like a dead stingray? Yeah, it in looks, your fridge. Yeah, no, it, I would say like a raw chicken breast. Yeah, I was going to go been with, out for a while. I was going to go with <laughs> placenta. So we oh, got raw chicken breast, placenta, dude, dude, and I, so no, dude, too soon. No, I don't think placenta. <laughs> too that's soon, a I mean, bit like, much. My youngest is five years old. I could bring up a photo, compare and contrast it, and I mm. think I would probably change your mind. But chicken breast actually is a like a raw chicken breast actually is a pretty good description of it. But it's like a pretty perfectly round disc, somewhere in between the size of like a hockey puck and a frisbee, and basically it's like a live. Did you know SCOBY is an acronym? SCOBY oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it stands for Symbiotic Culture of Bacteria and Yeast. And basically, its magic trick is that it turns carbohydrates like sugar, and it ferments them. In, okay, uh... Scotty, don't tell the story before it starts. <laughs> we can cut that. Right, he's yeah. giving away. Yeah. He's giving away all the good stuff sorry, too sorry, early. Sorry. Yeah. So, Scotty, you said you love kombucha I so did. much. You're so passionate about it. Would you ever start your own kombucha business? Boy, taking a passion like that to scale just sounds like maybe I lack the imagination or sort of the business acumen to do it, but it sounds like a a tough thing to pull off. I don't think I'm savvy enough to do it, but I love the product absolutely 100%. Not to mention that just based on this podcast and what I think is coming, there's definitely stiff competition in town. Speaking of starting a new business... I think one of the things that really captivated me was that Alicia Miller started this full-time business after 20 years of teaching music. And the one other kicker, she decided to do this during the pandemic. So as millions of people are losing their jobs and stability, Alicia Miller is part of another massive group that's being called The Great Resignation. I found out that as a mom and as a teacher and as an entertainer, a lot of times we put ourselves last and I wasn't taking care of myself. And one visit to the doctor's office like really just changed my life. I found out that I was pre-diabetic and I found out that my acid reflux was so, so bad that I would end up having to have surgery for nodules. Okay, can you just quickly explain what a nodule is? So according to Google, because I am not a medical expert, (laughs) a nodule is a growth of abnormal tissue. And in this case, that growth would be on vocal cords. And they're usually associated with overuse. All right. Thanks for clarifying. Back to the story. So surgery is always a major thing, no matter how small, right? But I think the thing that shows the gravity of this injury for Miller is that she's a singer. She mentioned she's a music teacher. And in addition to that, she's a very talented singer and performer. Come. 
I grew up wanting to be Whitney Houston. I think a lot of young girls wanted to be Whitney. I've been blessed with an amazing talent and more than a talent, a gift. And that gift has put me in rooms and in situations that even to this day, I'm so surprised. Into the oh my Whoa. god she's incredible yes she is good now what type of music would she typically sing was it like jazzy numbers do you know or was it like she's it been a, very r&b yeah yeah very r&b and she's been in a number of like stage plays so she does a mix of genres but i would say mainly r&b and like theater so yeah tough break for a woman with a beautiful voice like that to have a nodule on her throat yeah, so obviously she was seeking something where she'd have a fast recovery time without a major invasive surgery. I think that's what destroyed Julie Andrews' singing career, mm. nodules and the surgery that came afterwards. Mm. Whew, that voice, though. Wow. Mm-hmm. The recovery time for nodules can range from weeks to longer than six months. So Alicia was open to solutions outside of surgery. I mean, I don't know any entertainer eager to have their throat cut open. I talked to my sister and she was telling me about this elixir that she was drinking and it smelled like feet and it was disgusting, but it was great for you. And I tried it. I really was not a fan, but I was a fan of how it made me feel. And that mysterious, smelly elixir was kombucha, a blend of fermented teas, sugars, bacteria, and yeast. Many drink it for health benefits like probiotics and antioxidants. All right, time out. Did they really just say it smells like feet? Yes. It does not smell like feet. Some kombucha does smell like feet. Look, I'm not a big fan, but like, I think I'm not, I also don't have the best sense of smell. (laughs) If my feet smelled like strawberry and ginger, I'd be okay with it. (laughs) But not all kombucha smells like that. There are some kombuchas out there that like don't smell that great. They don't taste that great. Yeah, no, yeah. I I mean, and and some are very like vinegary or like. That's more my experience. Yeah. Um, is there a, like, straight kombucha? Because it always seems that kombucha has, like, strawberry or ginger or, right. or like, chai or something, like, some weird thing. I've definitely had some that, that are more plain, but before I had tried this particular brand of kombucha, a lot of the ones I had tasted were kind of vinegary or bitter, and I was like, I don't understand why anyone would drink this for <laughs> enjoyment honestly so basically you just teased that you think hers is better oh i didn't say that (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying it sounded quite a bit like well you have to keep listening at least it doesn't smell like feet and vinegar i do think it is a polarizing drink you know i remember wanting to introduce it to my family I'm like mom you're gonna love this and she just was like what is this it was like an (laughs) alien for like she just could not understand it so a lot of people if they don't like it then they have a lot of misconceptions about it For the novices, I tell them that it's a bubbly probiotic or sparkling probiotic tea. But really to go inside of it, it is, there's that SCOBY. We have to bring it back to the mama, which I always talk about her being the amazing piece. That symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. So we have a mixture of water, we have a mixture of teas, and then we have sugars. And then we have this amazing culture called the SCOBY. She spits out acids, she spits out enzymes, and then we get the probiotic. So basically what happens is when we drink this drink after she's had her fix, 
those enzymes go into our gut and they fight the bad bacteria. So it's just, it's a way for us to rid ourselves of old toxins and things that are in our systems that we need to get rid of. But before Alicia learned the science behind the SCOBY, she fell in love with how the bubbly drink made her feel. I saw things change. I saw my numbers change. I saw that my energy increased. I saw that the bout of depression really was like lifting over me because I started to feel a lot better. And then that led me to really researching a lot more about the wonderful world of kombucha and how the microbiome is so important, gut health is so important, having a great digestive system is very, very important. And I grew up hearing, you are what you eat, and it really didn't resonate until I really started looking into that. And so I started making my own batches. So are there like any studies or medical opinions, expert opinions about the benefits of drinking kombucha? Well, from what I could find online, limited evidence suggests kombucha tea may offer benefits similar to probiotic supplements, including promoting a healthy immune system and preventing constipation because that's so glamorous. (laughs) At present, though, valid medical studies of kombucha tea's role in human health are very limited, so it's hard to say just how significant the impacts can be. Alicia, however, was very much impressed with the results and even inspired. But there is a lot of research around fermented foods. And I think another argument you can make is that if you're grabbing a kombucha off the shelf as opposed to a super sugary cola, you know, type of drink, like maybe that's a healthier alternative. Absolutely. And I think in my own personal experience, I I think we're all kind of lactose intolerant at this point. So I remember my roommate, my first experience with kombucha was whenever she had a bunch of dairy, she would always down a bunch of kombucha to try to like clear herself out. And I found myself early in the pandemic, I was, you know, eating a bunch of ice creams and cheeses because we were on quarantine and like what (laughs) to do during quarantine except eat dairy in Wisconsin. (laughs) And I did. I went to the store. I switched my milk from regular milk to oat milk. But on top of that, I did get kombucha. So it does. It did help me in that regard. Interesting. And I brewed and brewed, and I had explosion after explosion, and I tried flavor after flavor until I finally honed in on like 20 recipes, believe it or not. And then I started sharing it with my friends and family. My mom actually came to me and said, I think you have something, and I think this is something that you should really share with other people. And so February 14th, I was sitting in in my mom's house. I was trying to figure out what angle I wanted to go in my life. And I said, I'm going to do it. So Soul Brew gets started in 2019. Cut to 2020, the world and economy is falling apart at the seams due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And while millions of people were clinging to their jobs, Alicia stepped out on her new passion project, thus joining the first wave of the Great Resignation. All of a sudden, it seemed like everyone I know was changing jobs or stepping off the career ladder. In the month of May alone, 3.6 million Americans quit their jobs. Labor and workplace experts are predicting a post-pandemic resignation boom. New data signals the great resignation, as some are calling it, is real and may be happening sooner than expected. Well, from a crisis of democracy to a crisis in the workplace. As the pandemic eases in some parts of the world, we're seeing a so-called great resignation. I'm going to admit that I didn't really have a whole lot of information of this as a, I guess, branded, if you will, term. I do have some experience with it because my wife, who was a teacher 
for 15 years, had reached the top of her scale, was in a leadership position, really well-respected in our community back in Michigan, quit in the middle of the pandemic because we thought we didn't know as much as we know now, but we thought, we don't have a vaccine, you've got asthma, your year's worth of salary is not worth risking your life. And so we took our kids out of school and Kate started homeschooling them. And we're still in that mode, I guess. Uh, we're now thinking of different options. We're considering whether we're going to keep homeschooling or not. But regardless of that, the great resignation, we're part of that story. Wow, that's a significant change for your family. That's yeah, incredible. Down to hear. One income, man. <laughs> I mean, but you joined the Milwaukee PBS team during the pandemic as well. Do you consider yourself a part of the Great Resignation? I mean, in a sense, because one of the reasons that I left the station that I was in in West Michigan is because I saw much more opportunity to grow here. Salaries are better here. And I thought this is a better way for me to support my family as we continue this one-income pandemic life. Not knowing if we're going to go back to two incomes or when, but in the circumstances that we were in at the time, this was the best choice. And I'm guessing you've dug into this great resignation and sort of what it means? Yeah, so just to get some numbers out there, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, 4 million people left their jobs in July 2021. And the stats for resignation are the highest they've been in 20 years. So this is really a phenomenon that we're seeing across all industries. And I spoke with an expert about this because this is so unprecedented that we haven't really seen ever. And I spoke with Enrique Lopez Lera about this phenomenon. He's one of the directors of the low-wage work program at the UC Berkeley Labor Center. Some people are quitting because they have no choice. And some people are quitting because they are changed their preferences. And some people are quitting because they have better opportunities uh, somewhere else. One of the things the pandemic has highlighted is how precarious these low-wage jobs are. And so folks are saying, look, I'm tired of having a job where I don't know what my schedule is from week to week. It doesn't allow me to plan for things. Customers are just rude and there's no protections for me as a worker. Uh, I'm at the mercy of my employer and I'm just fed up with this and I'm going to try to find something else to do because I just don't want to be in this type of work anymore. And so those are very different reasons why people are, are transitioning or pivoting. We're seeing that with high-tech folks, and we're seeing that with nurses as well, which are some of the highest-paid jobs, and, and that has to do with burnout. So the demands on high-tech folks through the pandemic are pretty high because people are doing all the work virtually, so that requires IT people to really be working all the time uh, in many cases. And so some of these People have high-paying jobs with nice benefits, but they're burnt out. They're like, man, I'm working 60, 70-hour weeks, and I don't see this ending anytime soon because now a lot of these companies are saying we're going to be virtual forever, and so they're just burned out. Same with nurses through the pandemic, right? They're working constantly in, uh, for the high demand that, that's been put on, on hospitals and, and doctors and nurses, and they're saying... I love what I do, but I'm just burnt out. I just can't deal with this anymore. So of that mixture of reasons, Lexi, what would you say Alicia's, what speaks to her story? Basically, she was of the wave of people in the Great Resignation that decided to leave their jobs to pursue their passion. And she knew it was risky. Obviously, her family knew it was kind of a gamble for her, especially being the only Black-owned kombucha company in the state of Wisconsin. 
I just want to clarify that for listeners, they may think that Alicia left during the peak of her health struggles, but she actually took a brief sabbatical and returned to teaching while she was initially starting Soul Brew part-time. But then... Then the pandemic hit and my family thought I was crazy because I was just like, I'm not going back to teaching. I believe in this. And there's something else that's important to add context on why this new venture may have had her family just a tad skeptical. I am the only black woman-owned kombucha company in the state of Wisconsin. I went into a pitch one day and I was like, you know, kombucha, off. Normally seen as the white hippie drink and they all fell out. And they said, yeah, it is, but it's great for everybody. A large part of Alicia's passion is helping others the way her sister's suggestion helped her with her own health struggles especially in communities of color where hypertension and diabetes are more prevalent. Soul Brew, for me, is a way to really get people to understand that there is something out there that can help. So one of the biggest campaigns that I want to push is prevention over prescription. A lot of times, instead of us really trying to get down to the bottom of why we are feeling the way we're feeling, whether it is emotionally, whether it is just our health in general, we go ahead and we take these medicines because that's going to fix it. And again, I have to go back to we are what we eat. And in this case, we are what we drink. Yeah, one sugary drink a day puts you 26% higher at risk for developing diabetes. And when I realized in my community alone, the numbers were astonishing how many people were walking around dealing with that. My faith is so strong and I want to do this. And I know people will hear what I want to say and they'll taste this and they'll love it. And people have. Soul Brew is dominating local farmers markets and she has partnerships with the vegetarian restaurant Beans and Barley, as well as a local co-op owned grocery store, Outpost. Alicia has received a slew of grants, one from recent NBA champion and Milwaukee Buck, Drew Holiday. And even with this success, she still remembers the hard days and nights of sacrifice she's put in to make this dream come true. When I got in Beans and Barley, it was just me. When I got in Willie Street, like, it was just me. And I worked tirelessly 16-hour days, sometimes 24 hours just to make sure that I got it together. So being in this space now, being able to scale up, it means so much. Can I just say, when I heard her say, I'm not returning to teaching because I believe in this, that's an incredible statement to believe in herself, to believe in that company, to believe in this product. I don't know if I've ever really felt that before where I would put my own safe income on the line and totally leave that and take a leap of faith like this. Like it's incredibly admirable, especially with something you're so talented in. Like we heard her voice earlier and it was magnificent and she'd been teaching for 20 years. So she really was just giving up a life that she knew for so long for something that she had no background in really. And there was no guarantee that it would be successful right off the bat. And she talked about some of the locations that she's now in, but in addition to the farmer's markets, I happen to live in the River West neighborhood. I go to my local co-op and I have tried some of the flavors of Soul Brew. And I know she has a Black Lives Matter flavor, which is blackberry, lemon, and mango, which is pretty cool. Mm, that sounds good. Very sounds good. good. Cherry Bomb is another one of my personal favorites. It's got a little hint of cinnamon in it, which is delicious. Um, she's also got one, it's called Teacher's Aid, which I'm guessing has some like vitamin C kind of stuff in there. But 
I love it so much. And maybe this is a good opportunity to plug Black Nouveau and the video segment you did with this story, right? Alexa, yeah, you- maybe we'd be able to put the link to that segment in the description for viewers to get a visual understanding of what our space looks like, what the scobies look like, and just get an idea of what her bottling process and some of those interesting flavors. But yeah, I will say being in her space and speaking with her and I bought a case of kombucha after the shoot. And again, it was different from kombucha that I had had in the past. It made me a believer. So <laughs> so the, the smelly feet no longer. So guys, I know this is so sad to say, but this is my last segment for this go round of our for season one. Yeah. Ooh. Can we just quickly recap? So your first episode, second episode, and third episode, do you think there's just a quick synopsis and whether you think there's a through line? Is there sort of a common theme between the three? Yeah, so to refresh listeners, the first episode we talked about building generational wealth in the Black community through real estate. And then the second episode, we talked about the legacy of Milwaukee's Bronzeville as far as rebuilding it and this renaissance that's happening right now as far as Black businesses. And historically, it was known to be a Black business hub, and then they kind of got washed away, but now we're seeing them resurface. And then this last story, I wanted to bring it up to date. Like, okay, what's someone right now that's like starting their legacy right in this moment? And I I think what we had spoke about earlier was how Alicia really had to take a bet on herself and have faith in herself and stray from a completely successful career that was stable, consistent, <laughs> a stable income, obviously a talent that was undeniable. But she decided she wanted to pivot during a pandemic, which was a big risk, because like I said, while so many people were so unsure about their incomes and where their next paycheck might come from, she was willing to take the risk on her dream. So I think that after doing these three stories, that it's important to note that with pursuing a passion, there's no immediate guarantee that the benefits will be speedy, fast, in a hurry, or that they'll be better than your previous gig. But I think we've seen that it's that love that pushes you to see it through. And in a lot of my stories this season, there was this theme of legacy and building Mm -hmm. something from the ground up. And we heard from that real estate developer. We heard about the rise and fall of Bronzeville. And here's a story of a legacy that's early in his journey. So I think a common theme throughout these stories is that I'm not trying to share stories that are telling you to just give up on working entirely, right? But we are seeing people who are realizing that all the time, resources, and energy that you may spend breaking your back for someone else's dollar, we've been seeing people push back and decide to invest those resources back into themselves and their passions, even when it's difficult. Here's Alicia again. This is not easy. Deciding to leave a comfortable job is not easy in the midst of a pandemic. But when you know that you've been called to do certain things, you have to follow that. Have faith in yourself. Trust your gut. This has been Speaking Of, a podcast by Milwaukee PBS. I'm Alexandria Mack. I'm Mariano Avila. I'm Scotty Lee Myers. Thanks for listening. Hey, y'all, just a quick note that this wraps up my three stories where I'm the lead host. It's Scotty's turn to take over the steering wheel. And next week, he's going to take us on a short little drive to Brookfield, where we'll learn about a Black History Month resolution that came to be a bit controversial. Okay, that's all I got. New episode on Friday.